So these soils are attitudes. These soils are spiritual and mental attitudes that will determine whether or not we're able to hear God with clarity. Here's a fact. Sometimes we're open to God, and sometimes we're not open to God. I mean, it's just how it is. We're human, and there are just times in our life when we're really, really, really open to God, and then we're in a different mood, and so we're not so open to God. If we're open to his voice, a deep relationship with God is not only, is not only possible, but is inevitable. If you are open to the voice of God, God speaking into your life, it is not only possible that you can have a great relationship with God, it is inevitable. If you are closed to his voice, then the opposite is true. God's chosen to speak to us, and we ask the question, why? Why would God speak to us? Who are we that he is mindful of us? Who are we, not only that he is mindful of us, but to go to the next level, who are we that he would even want to talk to us or say anything to us? Here's why God has chosen to speak to us. Because he wants to have a deep, intimate relationship with every person in this worship center. He wants to have a relationship with you. You say, well, I don't understand things and I'm kind of mad at God because of circumstances of my life. I'm not even sure I believe God. I'm not even sure I believe in your Bible. I'm just here today. I'm kind of searching. I'm on a journey. I don't know what I believe and what I don't believe. Believe this. The God who made you wants a relationship with you. He wants a deep, intimate relationship with you. And it is impossible to have a healthy relationship with anybody you're not talking to. So God speaks to us that he might know us intimately. Jesus tells in Luke 8, that's where we'll be today in Luke 8, Jesus tells us about a farmer who goes out to sow seed and the seeds representing God's word land on different types of soil. Sometimes it lands on good soil. Most of the time, according to the teaching of Jesus, it looks like it lands on bad soil. So what do we have to do to hear from God? Let's go back over it very quickly. Number one, number one, just like a farmer, just like a farmer, just like a farmer, you, you've got some farming folks up in here today, amen? Just like a farmer, you've got to prepare the soil. You've got to prepare the soil to receive the seed. You've got to prepare the soil to receive the moisture. You've got to prepare the soil to receive the benefits of the sun. And we've got to prepare our mind to receive God's word. We've got to prepare ourselves. What causes us not to hear God? Pride, fear, and bitterness. Now, there are other things we could talk about, but as I was praying and asking God what he would have me mention that can cause us not to be able uh, to hear him and not be prepared to hear him, these are the things that came to my mind. Pride, saying, um, God, you can speak into my life if you want to, but I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. Pride. Fear. I'm, I'm afraid of what God's going to say. Bitterness. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. And so I've got this hard shell around me, and God's trying to speak to me. God's trying to communicate with me, 
but because of the bitterness in my life, I can't hear him. So how do we prepare our heart? Here's how I do it. I just constantly am evaluating myself. I'm constantly evaluating myself. I'm constantly asking God to evaluate me. I'm constantly asking the Holy Spirit to reveal. You know, the Bible has this little prayer in it. God, if there is any wicked way in me, reveal it to me. And sometimes we can get away from God and drift away from God, and we've built up this little crust, this hardness between ourselves and Him, and we're not able to hear Him. And he talks about it in Luke 8, 5 and in Luke 8, 12. And I would encourage you to go back and read that. We're not going to read it today. Um, that is why we have our sermons online. You can go back and listen to these sermons online. Uh, you can go back if they're pretty new sermons. You can go back and watch them and listen. So sign up for our podcast. It's absolutely free. We want you to be able to go back also, let me just remind you guys, as I do often, I will send you my sermon notes, what I preach out of, and what I preach from, the very notes that are on this stand right now, I will send them to you. And those of you who have gotten them from me before, let me ask you a question. Are they in living color or what? Yeah. Amen. They're in living color. So you, you let me know, and I'll send you the sermon notes. Now, here's what some of y'all have done with my sermon notes. You have improved on them and sent them back. I receive that. I receive that because you know what? I believe God speaks to you just like God speaks to me. God doesn't just speak to the preacher. God doesn't just speak to the pastor. Now, there are some preachers and pastors that would like for you to think that so they can control you. Did I say that out loud? Do you all hear me? There are, there are systems set up so you have to come to a person to hear from God, not in this church. You are of the royal priesthood. God does minister to me, and God does guide me, and God does reveal to me, and God does speak to me, but God wants to speak to you too. And so if I send you my sermon notes and you say, man, this would have been a great passage of Scripture to bring out right there. Now, I want to tempt you, or I want to just tell you, I don't want to tempt you. I do want to tell you, though, that when you do that, it's making it longer. So the next time I do this series under a different title, because y'all will never recognize it, <laughs> y'all will go, that was long. It's your fault because you sent back other good stuff. So we got to prepare ourselves to receive. Everybody say, dear Lord, help me to prepare my heart and to allow you to prepare my heart that I might receive you're, you're fading on me. That I might receive your word into my life. Come on. And be fruitful. Woo, yeah. Amen, amen. Number two, I've got to stop giving God my leftovers. And I've got to give God my first fruits. You say, oh, he's about to talk about money. I know every time they bring up that first fruit thing. It's about money. No. How about the first fruits of your day? How about the first fruits of your time? Stop giving God your leftovers. He talks about it in Luke 8, 6 and Luke 8, 13. 
in the previous point that I was making, he was talking about a closed mind. In Luke 8, 6 and Luke 8, 13, he's talking about the superficial mind where you, you don't let God get down deep in your life. You don't let the roots of God's word get down deep in your life. Here's what happens to some of us. We get thrilled by the word, but we don't stick with it long enough to get transformed by the word. I just preach right there. We get thrilled by the word, but we don't stick with it long enough to let it transform us. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I didn't even mention that in the sermon, but it comes to my mind. He wants to transform your mind. That can't happen unless you're with him. That can't happen unless you decide you're going to set your clock a little earlier in the morning. On Sunday morning, I set my, no other morning of the week, let me make that clear. But on Sunday morning, I set my clock for 5 o'clock. I'm not trying to brag about that. I'm just telling you, I know that before I get here on Sunday, I got to have me some major, intimate Jesus time. And some good coffee. Glory. Sunday morning's a precious time to me before most people are awake. And, uh, and then all through the week I have time with him, but I have to schedule it. Because if I don't schedule it, other stuff will take it over. And all of a sudden I'm giving God my leftovers, and when I give God my leftovers, I get shallow in my walk with him. And I'm telling you, listen to me, it happens quick. When you start giving God your leftovers, Getting shallow in your walk with him happens very quickly. Drifting away from God happens very quickly. If you're in a river and you're paddling against the current, all you got to do is pull that paddle up out of the water for 10 seconds and you're way back. Paddle hard, paddle hard. Paddle hard toward God. So what we need to do is schedule time in every day to sit down with our Bible and read it. Think about our life, review the lessons we've learned through the scriptures, write our thoughts down, keep growing, keep reviewing. When you review, you retain. When you review, you retain. What are we doing right now? What are we doing right now in this sermon? Right now, what are we doing? Reviewing so you can retain. Hey, listen to me. I want you to be able to preach this. I want you to be able to teach this. You're going to run into friends and neighbors and loved ones who are going to come up to you and say, man, I tell you, I feel a thousand miles from God. Say, let me tell you about the soils. Let me tell you about the soils. And you condense this sermon. And you say, you know, Jesus said there were, you know, the hard soil. And then he said there was the shallow soil. And and then God talks about the one we're about to talk about now, uh, the soil that represents the preoccupied mind. When it says we got to eliminate our distractions, that's what we talked about last week. See, I want you to be able to talk about this stuff. The reason I preach the way I do is because it's conversational, and you can use it in your conversations with people. Hey, when somebody comes up to you in the coffee shop or somebody in your family comes up to you at a family gathering or a friend at work comes up to you and says, man, i got some questions about God, don't call me. Now I'll help you, but God sent that person to you. You say, I can't. Oh, if you couldn't, he wouldn't. If you couldn't do it, he would not have sent them to you. 
I can't have the effect on them you can have. They don't know me. If somebody comes to you with questions about God and you just turn them over to a preacher, a lot of times they just shut down. See, I'm paid to be good. Y'all are good for nothing. That didn't come out right. That didn't come out right. Wait a minute. I didn't mean that like it sounded right there. But that is how people look at preachers. Oh, he's, you know, that's his job. You're their friend. You're their family member. So when God sends somebody to you, speak to them. So in in Luke 8, 7 and in Luke 8, 14, he talks about that preoccupied mind, the one that has got other thoughts clouding it. Here's what he referred to. He said, said, "Some, some seed falls on good soil, but it still can't produce fruit because the, it's so filled with what? Y'all remember? Weeds. What kind of weeds? Thorny. He said, and those weeds, what? Choke out what God is saying in your life. People tell me they don't understand the Bible. It's because you're not reading the Bible. i got to tell you something. If you get in the Bible and show a sincere heart, God will teach you the Bible in your house. He'll teach you the Bible sitting right there in your house. I'm so glad coffee's not a sin, aren't y'all? You say, well, I feel like it is a sin. Will you come up here this morning? We'll set you free. (laughs) Um, Because, man, if you'll let him be your teacher, he's already promised you he'll, he'll teach you. Look, if I'm the only teacher in your life, you're messed up. Don't say amen to that. If I'm the only teacher in your life, you, you, that's, some, that's pitiful. You say, well, I like uh, Stephen Furtick, man, and I like Craig Rochelle, and I like Andy Stanley, and I like Jensen Franklin. That's awesome. That's great. Listen to me. Listen to me. Old school right here. The Holy Ghost is your teacher. Let him teach you. Now, for those of you who are, who are new to church, Holy Ghost probably just scared you right there, but it should not. It is the Spirit of the living God who will come in your house and make your Bible real to you. You say, well, I've been taught the Bible my whole life, but I feel condemned all the time. Well, you weren't taught the Bible right. Because my Bible tells me in John 3, 17 that Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world, but that I through him might be saved and free. Amen, amen. amen. I'm telling you, if you're, lived a, if you're living a life under condemnation, if you're living a life where you just think God's mad at you all the time, somebody's messed up your thinking, that's stinking thinking. That's not God. You say, yeah, but if I do wrong, don't God get upset? The Bible talks about that in the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Or is it 12? Read Hebrews. It's in there. I think it's 12. Where he talks about God does chasten, God does correct those he what? Loves. I know some children need some loving. Did y'all get that? I see some children and I go, He needs some loving. (laughs) 
So Jesus says in Luke 8, 7 and Luke 8, 14, he mentions three things, worries, riches, and pleasures. We talked about that, that last week. Here's what a weed is. A weed is anything that distracts me from making time with God. A weed is anything in my life that prevents me from sitting down and quietly praying and saying to God, God, is there anything you want to say to me today? Boy, what if you started your day off like that? What if you started your day off with that question? Hey, God, is anything you want to say to me today? Because if you want to say something to me, I'm all ears. Let him that has ears hear. Here. All right, number four, number four, last one. This is the last series, last sermon in the series. Next week, we're going to talk about how circles are better than rows. Y'all are in rows this morning, and that's good, but circles are better. We're going to talk about that next week. And uh, so we hope you're here. Act on what you hear. Number four, you got to act on what you hear. Listen to this, listen to this. Here's the main point of the sermon today God talks to doers. I know people who are Bible study addicts, but you can't get them. I'm going to use a southern phrase right here. Get ready to write this down. You can't get them to strike a lick out of snake. Does anybody know what that means down in the south? But they'll go to a Bible study, but they don't do. All they do is go to Bible study and absorb like a sponge, like a sponge, like a sponge, and here's what happens to a lot of those people. They sit, they soak, and they sour. Some of the most sour people I know in the church today are some of the most Bible-knowledgeable people I know in the church today. I preach right then, right then. That's good right there. Some of the meanest, hardest to get along with, whiningest, gripingest people that I've ever dealt with in church are people who always are in Bible study, but you can't get them to wash feet. You can't get them to serve. You say, hold time out on that washing feet thing. I know, I know there's some new folks to church and I know everything I say y'all take literally. But when Jesus girded himself with a towel and washed the feet of men he actually created, he said, do this, do this. As I have done unto you, do it to what? One another. God, listen to me. Here's why some of you are not hearing from God. Here's why some of you are not hearing from God. Because God communicates with people who decide in advance that once they hear from God, they're going to act on whatever they hear. Did y'all hear that statement right there? I actually should have put that on a slide. God talks to people, speaks to people, communes with people who decide in advance that no matter what God says to me, I will obey him. God talks to people like that. Most of us want God to talk to us. Then we'll decide if we're going to do it or not. Here's what God says to that. I don't play that game. 
God says, I'm sorry, I don't play that game. If you want to hear my voice, you should understand that I speak to people who are going to take action. They decide in advance, no matter what God says to me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take action on what God tells me to do. Listen carefully to me today. If you want God to speak to you, here's how you need to talk to him. You need to say something like, okay, God, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do, whether I understand it or not. Now, this is, <laughs> this, is for, um, this is for two kinds of people, the more advanced believer or the one who isn't very advanced but wants to be advanced. For those who are playing church, this is going to really feel like sandpaper today. Y'all love me? Lock all the doors. <laughs> Listen to this. If you want God to speak to you, you need to say to him, Okay, God, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do, whether I understand it or not, whether it makes sense or not, whether I like what you said or not. Because I know... That whatever you say to do is the right thing to do. Listen to this. And I trust you. And that you know what is best for me. And not only do you, God, know what is best for me, you know what makes me have a sense of fulfillment. So I'm deciding before I know what you're going to say to me, I've already decided that whatever you say to me, I will do it, sir. You see, obedience is a matter of trusting. Because God's going to tell you to do some stuff sometimes that you're going to go, okay, say what? Y'all know my favorite story in the Bible is all about Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat is surrounded by the enemy. And he's got all the children of Israel together. And they're in the house of God. They're in the temple. They're praying because they know the enemy's all around them. They're outnumbered, you know, hundreds of soldiers to one. I mean, three armies have come together to come against Judah. And Jehoshaphat is praying and he's asking God for help and he's asking God what in the, do, what in the world to do. And he says, he says, and this is one of my favorite quotes in the Bible, he says, we don't know what to do, Lord, but what? Our what? Eyes are what? Upon you. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like that? I don't know what to do. But God, my eyes are upon you. And then he waits for God to tell him what to do. And God chooses a guy in the congregation to speak a prophetic word. And that guy's name is Jehaziel. And Jehaziel begins to speak. And it's prophetic. And it's the voice of God being spoke through a man in the, in the worship service. And Jehaziel says to them, he says, I want you, Jehoshaphat, to put together a choir to go against the enemy. Now, I've heard some choirs that could defeat an enemy. I've heard some choirs that didn't set the stage for preaching, but caused you to have to get over their song in order to be able to preach. 
We don't have a choir like that here, do we? I tell you, anybody can't preach after the way our choir sings needs to turn their credentials in. We got an awesome choir. I did go by a church one time, saw a sign, and it said um, the title of the sermon series was What Hell Is Like, and then underneath it it said, Come Early and Hear the Choir Practice. <laughs> thought that was a little... I've heard that choir. Amen. <laughs> Y'all heard that choir? So Jehoshaphat, and I'm not going to tell this story because you know I'll preach it. Jehoshaphat basically is like, say what? We're surrounded by the enemy and you want us to put together a choir? God will tell you to do stuff that does not make sense. But that choir went out and with praise, that's a whole nother sermon, the enemy was disoriented. That's why we worship at the beginning of the service because worship and praise and singing to God disorients the enemy and messes the enemy's plans up. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Don't read it now. Read it when you get home. But that's where that story is at. Worship and praise disoriented the enemy until they unsheathed their swords and killed each other. That's what worship does. That's why we sing. That's why we sing the songs we sing. That's why we sing the songs that have the words in it that we sing. Because we want to mess up any plans that the enemy has for our services on Sunday. That's why when you're at your house and the enemy is just on you and in your house and on your children <laughs> and on, on your husband and... Uh, on your wife, and y'all need to sing. Now, some of y'all need to sing where only God can hear it. <laughs> but singing, do y'all hear me? Because this is not in the notes today, so somebody needs this. Singing messes up the enemy. That's why it's all right for you to listen to your favorite songs that are on the radio, but I'm going to tell you something. You need some worship music in your life. You need some praise in your life. And I'm going to tell you, when you're battling and the first thing you do is get on the and turn it to 101.5 or 100.7 or, in my case, 107.9, who's with me on the oldies. And, um, but you need to turn it from that, and you need to get over to some 107.3. Amen? Or some, uh, what's the other one, 99, 91.1? And a lot of times you can't pick it up around here, so you just got to get you some CDs and put it in that CD player and get that other stuff out because you're in a battle. And I'm going to tell you something. You better learn how to praise God and you better learn how to worship God and you better learn how to sing because sometimes when you're in a battle, all you can do is sing. You know what? That is nowhere in my notes, but that was meant for somebody here today. Uh, let's look at Luke 8.8 8, as we talk about this whole thing of um, acting on what you hear. Jesus said, and some seed, we're finally getting to the good ground. <laughs> we, we've dealt three weeks with bad, bad soil, and now we're finally getting to the good ground. And some seed fell on good ground, and what happened to it? It and made a, woo, how would y'all like to be a hundred times more intimate with God than you are right now? Then let him speak into your life. 
Let him speak into your life. Look at Luke 8, 15. Jesus is going to explain it to us. <laughs> Jesus says in Luke 8, 15, The seeds that fell in good soil stand for those who hear the message and retain it in a good and obedient and they persist. They don't give up. They don't stop. They don't do it just one day. And if they stop doing it, they just get right back on it. That's, what, that's the deal about personal discipline in, in your devotional time with God is if you miss a day, don't fall under the cloak of condemnation. Just get right back up the next day and do it. That's called what? That's called persistence. And they persist until they what? That's what it's all about right there. Letting people see Jesus in you. The first heart was the hard heart. The second heart was the superficial heart. The third heart was the preoccupied heart. Now we're talking about, on this final sermon, the willing heart. Everybody pray with me. Dear God, give me a willing heart. The willing heart not only hears God's word, but the willing heart, listen, this is important, works to retain it. The willing heart not only receives the word of God, but it works to retain it. The willing heart listens to the word of God, writes down the word of God, thinks about the word of God, reflects on the word of God, works to retain it, and the result of that is fruitfulness in your life. That's where you start making a difference. You become productive. You want your life to count? You want a productive life? You want a fulfilling life? You want a satisfying life? Then let's go to the book of James and find out how. We're just going to walk through James 1, 21 through 25. Look what James says. <laughs> so get rid of how much? How? Uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of... <laughs> James got to the point, didn't he? One, one of the problems with us is that we have a lot of this in us and a lot of this in us. Now, when we think about uncleanness in us and wickedness in us, we think about pornography and we think about drug addiction and we think about all that. But I got to tell you, unforgiveness is part of that. Gossip is part of that. Got quiet. It's quiet now, isn't it? So get rid of all the everybody. Everybody, when as we just go through this, just make this your prayer. God help me get rid of all the unclean. Um, I post on Facebook all the time my buddy Wolf Winlet. Do you ever read Wolf's prayers on my Facebook? I'll put an evening prayer by Wolf Winlet. Here's what Wolf does. He lives in Apex. Wolf takes the scripture and turns it into a prayer. Now, on Facebook, his group is called um, Gateway Something Gateway. <laughs> Just put that in. Something Gateway. But... Um, it's not coming to my mind right now, but it will. 
If you're on Facebook, you need to sign up for that because he puts a morning prayer and an evening prayer every day, and he writes the prayers out of Scripture. So, I mean, if you wanted to pray this one, you'd say, God, help me get rid of all uncleanness and reveal to me what that is because I might not really know what that is. There might be something in my life that's unclean, and I thought it wasn't unclean. Y'all hearing me out there? And help me get rid of... um, the uh, rampant outgrowth of wickedness in my life, and help me, God, be a what? Humble, gentle, modest. Help me have a humble, gentle, which means gentle, modest. This is from the Amplified Bible. If you don't have an Amplified Bible, you need to get one because it, it explains it. That's the notes of the Amplified Bible right there. And in a humble, which means gentle, modest, give me that kind of spirit so I can what? Receive and welcome the which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. Next slide. I mean, that verse right there is just, you could preach on that a week. Verse 22, and we know this one. As a matter of fact, we know this one so well it's become a cliche. And when the scriptures become a cliche, be careful. Familiarity breeds contempt. This is not a cliche. This is not a cliche. This is not a sweet little saying. This is not something that you can just crochet or whatever it's called and put it on your wall. This is the word of the living God. But be, God says, through the writer James, Holy Spirit comes on James, Holy Spirit says, but be of the, which means to obey the message and not merely to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning things that are contrary to the truth. Boy, that's, oh man, don't tempt me to get in that. Go to the next one. For if anyone only to the word without it and being a doer of it, he is like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in a mirror. And most of y'all who do that go, whoo. Verse 24, for here's what he does. He thoughtfully observes himself, but then he goes off and promptly forgets what he was. Last slide. But he who looks how? He who looks how? There's a difference in glancing and gazing. And God is saying to us today, don't glance at the word. Gaze. Study it how? Carefully. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law. What is that? What's the faultless law? You got it in your lap. You got it on your phone. The Word of God. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the Word of God, the law of, not bondage, but what? Liberty, freedom. And is what? That means... You don't just look at it and go, hey, man, that's good preaching. Amen, boy, I read that and it really tickled my heart today. And the, the Word of God really thrilled me. It's okay for it to thrill you. 
But to be faithful to it means you let it change you. Let the Word of God change you. Let the Word of God transform you. Faithful to it and perseveres. Faithful to it and what? Perseveres because are you going to feel like doing it every day? Are you going to feel like having time with God every day? Don't you say amen to that. I'll have to lay hands on you because I know. I know I'm more spiritual than you are and I don't want to do it every day. Man, that, y'all realize that's the Word of God right there and right there is the key. That verse right there is the key that unlocks the door. But he who looks carefully into the Bible, into the, or hear, even hearing the Word of God, the faultless Word of God, the faultless, the faultless rhema, the faultless logos, whoever looks carefully at that, whoever doesn't glance at it but gazes at it, it will set them free because it's the law of what? Liberty. And, and the person who is faithful to it and doesn't give up in drought and doesn't give up in heat. You know when another time is we give up? Not just in drought and heat, but when everything's going good. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what, most people give up quicker when everything's going well than when they're going through a battle. Most people, when, you, when they go through a really hard struggle, they, they come to God. Not always. The person who is faithful to it, that means does it. Doesn't just read it, but does it. Follows through on it and perseveres in looking into it. Consistency. Being not a, what? Heedless listener, which means a, a listener that doesn't heed. A listener who listens and goes, amen, 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 but doesn't ever think about actually doing it. Illustration. A lot of people hear the word of God today and go, man, I've got to tell you something. That just blessed me today. And man, you're telling people they're number one in the parking lot out there because they pulled out in front of you. You're number one. That's a listener, but it's a... A heedless listener who what? But an who obeys, he shall be in his, no, 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 that can't be right. He'll be blessed if he has Bible study. He'll be blessed if he learns the Greek. He'll be blessed if he learns the Hebrew. He'll be blessed, yeah, you're blessed by that, but it is only as you do it, as you Obey it. God don't talk to me. God don't talk to me. God talks to doers. God talks to obedient people. Blessed in his doing, that is his life of obedience. I want to, I want to, read, I want to read a testimony to you. Um, names have been removed to protect the innocent. But I have permission to share this testimony with you. So I want you to listen real carefully. Pastor Farrell, I'd like to share with you about how I'm learning to hear God speak to me. We must have the right attitude in order to hear God. We have to cultivate, as you have taught, an open mind in order to hear His voice. This took a long time for me to develop because of some major hurts in my past. 
My childhood was peppered with molestation. I grew up thinking the only value I had to give to anyone was sexual. As I became a young adult in my lifestyle, my, as I became a young adult, my lifestyle reflected that belief. This created a deep sense of guilt and feelings of worthlessness in me. Even after I dedicated my life to Christ, I still struggled with those feelings of worthlessness and guilt. I knew the Bible said I was forgiven for my past sins, but I felt like God must be disgusted with me. Every time I would pray, I felt like God was saying, who are you to talk to me? Of course, if you think God feels that way about you, it doesn't motivate you to want to spend much time with him or try to listen to him. I thought, I'd been, uh, I thought I had to be perfect if God was going to love and accept me, so I threw myself into every Christian service and ministry possible. I visited the elderly, I taught Sunday school, I sang in the choir, I dragged my husband off uh, to uh, every Bible study I could get him to, and I went to church every time the doors were open, but I still felt worthless. Slowly, God began to soften my heart with his love and open up my closed mind. I discovered that he loved me completely and unconditionally. I realized for the first time in my life that his purpose for asking me to meet with him on a daily basis and to do good works was not so he would love me, but because he already did love me. I found out that he wanted me to live in response to his grace, not in pursuit of it. That is awesome right there. I realized that God wanted me to live my life in response to his grace and not in pursuit of it. Man, embracing this truth created a desire in me to hear God's voice. Next, I had to learn to make time for God in my schedule. Since I'm not a naturally self-disciplined person, I've tried all sorts of things with God. Uh, or I've tried all sorts of ways to help me develop a consistent habit of listening and talking with God. I've participated regularly in various Bible studies and small groups. As an active mother, I haven't always had time for these Bible studies, but I'd make time for them. I've learned that when I make time for God's Word, He helps me with the other areas in my schedule. Hmm. So what she's saying there is if you put God first, He helps you get everything else lined up in its proper order. But when God isn't first, everything's out of whack. I know a preacher that said that one time. She said, when I keep my eyes on him and listen to him, the stress and problems and worries of life, the distractions and the circumstances are not so overwhelming. On the other hand, if I look at all my troubles, that's all I see. If I only look at my troubles, that's all I see. Some of my attempts to make time to listen to God in my schedule are rather clever, I think. For instance, recently, this is, this is hilarious, recently I've started setting my alarm clock in my bathroom so I've got to get up and go in there to turn it off. Some of y'all need to write that down. Once I'm up, I go ahead and do my quiet time. I don't want anything to rob me of the thing that has become most important in my life. And my desire is to do whatever it takes to make time to listen to God. But having an open mind and making time for God is not enough. I've found that if I want God to speak to me, I have to be willing to cooperate with whatever he tells me to do. Boom. 
That isn't always easy. For instance, when I married my husband, it created a real problem between me and his little girl. To put it bluntly, I felt like my stepdaughter hated me. She was hurting, and of course her anger hurt me a lot, and I prayed and prayed that God would change her attitude, but nothing happened for years. I began to get a little frustrated with God for not changing her. Then one day God said to me, your husband's daughter is not the one with the with the problem. You need to go ask for her forgiveness. This was not what I wanted to hear from God. It's my nature and probably yours too. I don't know why she threw me under the bus. It's my nature and probably yours too that I only, I only like to cooperate with God when he asked me to do what I already wanted to do or was already doing. Does that sound familiar? I wanted him to tell me what I like to hear, but I found that God always tells me the truth whether I like it or not. He's like that, isn't he? Finally, I admitted that God was right. Good move. And I was wrong. Better move. I told God that I knew the right thing to do, but he was going to have to give me the desire and the power to do it. The amazing thing is that whenever I let go of my pride and ask God to change my heart, he always does. My heart changed. And when I cooperated with God, even though it was difficult and I didn't want to, the hurts between us were healed. My stepdaughter's 28 now. She has three children. I'm a grandma, and our relationship is wonderful. Through the years, I've grown in my relationship to Christ and God's Word. Uh, let me read that again. Through the years, I have grown in my relationship to Christ, and God's Word has become the most valuable treasure I have. I can put my confidence in God's Word without fear of disappointment because His Word never changes. When I'm hurting or, or when someone else is in pain, His Word gives comfort. When I made a mistake, it gives correction. When I'm not sure which way to go, listening to God gives me guidance. I find that I use God's Word every day of my life. Recently, I've been impressed with the importance of memorizing God's Word so that He can bring it to my mind whenever I need it. You see, if the only time that God can speak to me is when I'm reading the Bible, then I'm going to miss out on a lot of help. When I have a verse memorized, then God can bring it to my mind the exact moment that I need it. Isn't that a good testimony? Isn't that a good, good word? Amen, amen, amen. So here's the question. Do you have a closed mind that was hardened by pride or fear or bitterness? Do you here this morning have a superficial mind that gets excited but it doesn't last because you don't have a strong root system? Do you have a distracted mind that wants you to do the right thing, but you're just too preoccupied right now because of the issues of life or like we learned this morning? Do you have a willing mind that says, God, no matter what you say, I will obey? Here's the question I want to close this whole series with. What are you going to do with this sermon series? 
What are you going to do as a result of the things you've heard over the last month? The Bible says that you are to be a doer and not just a hearer. Do something. Do something. Stop thinking about, I'm going to do something, and do something. Jesus warned us that the moment we walk out the door of this church this morning, there is an enemy out there who is going to try to steal the seeds that have been sown into your hearts through, de through the declaration of God's Word. Just do one thing. Just do one thing. Join a Bible study. Get in a small group. Buy a book. Start memorizing a Bible verse a week. Do something. Start having a quiet time. Five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. Do something. Do something. Let me pray over you this morning. Will you just bow your head?